Okay, we're beginning here on the bottom of Tedzayin Mudbet by the two dots. The Gemara here continues to list or enumerate the Gzerot that were found in the 18 Gzerot that Bobayom Gazro. And the Gemara is searching for the additional Gzerot. It gave us a list of a number of them so far. And now it continues with that list. And it says, Idach Mahi. What is another one of those Gzerot? And it quotes from a Mishnah in Holot that says, Tetnan Kola Mitaltulim. Any movable object may be in it tumah can create tumata ohel from tumata made but ovia mardea as long as it's as wide as a mardea mardea is a long rod or prod that is used by the shepherds or by the farmers to prod or coax the animals to do what they want it was a pretty lengthy long piece of wood that was rounded and the Balei Tosafot say later on that sometimes it had a metal tip to it in order to coax or prod the animal. In this instance, we're not speaking about it with metal on the edge, but if it matches the width of the Mardea, then it creates Tumato Oel. Now, just as background to this, there is a Parshia of Tumato Oel that's found in Parshat Chukat with regards to Tumata Meit. It's a unique aspect of Tumata Meit, which doesn't exist by many other Tumot. Most tumot are conveyed through maga, masa, hesse, other types of contact between the tuma and the individual, the item that becomes tamay. The tuma tamay has a type of tuma called tumato ohel. And that is that the tuma can be conveyed when it is in one of these three different manners. And that is that either the individual or the item is mahahil, it walks over or covers over the tumat. So if an individual walks over a kever or an item is carried over a kever, they become tamay tumat because they were mahil al And vice versa, if the mate or the tumat crosses over the individual, so if there's tumat mate that goes above an individual, above an item, then it's mahil on that item and it creates Tumah. There's a third form of Ohel, and that, that's the one being discussed here in the Mishnah, and that is Tumah to Ohel, where there is a shared roof over both the Tumata mate and the individual. It's not that the individual is above the Tumah, or not that the Tumah is above the individual, but they're both found, for instance, in the same house, and they share a common roof. That's also as Tumata Ohel, where the common roof brings the Tumah from the mate, and then is mitame anything else that's under that roof, under that Ohel. In general, there is a principle that the Mishnayot in Ohelot lay out, which is that the minimum size for an Ohel is a Poteach Tefach. There has to be a minimum of a Tefach. In general, that's a Tefach cube, and again, if it's an OL, at least it has to be a tefach wide, a tefach long, and in this case, we don't have that in the Mishnah, because it says Mardea, which we're going to see later on in the Gemara, has a circumference of a tefach, but it does not have a diameter of a tefach, it has a diameter that's just under a third of a tefach, and nevertheless, it's still mahil, and that's what the Bali Tosafot point out over here, that's why the Mishnah only mentions mitaltalim, because this gzera only applies to mitaltalim, it doesn't apply to mechubar, but things that are mechubar, they can bring they just need to be the size of a poteach tefach. So for instance, a tree or a house, as long as they have the size of a tefach, they can be mahil or have tumat oil associated with them if the roof that they create or the cover that they create is on top of both an item, an individual, and the tumat hamate. Over here, what seemingly is going on is that there's a gzerat chachamim that this mardea is able to bring tumat oil, even though it doesn't meet the minimum requirement of being a tefach wide. And that's what the Gemara now is suggesting is an additional gzerah that was put in place on that day. Now, Amar Rabbi Tarfon, Rabbi Tarfon doubts this halacha, because he says, et banai, halacha The way Rashi explains it over here is, Ekapeach means to cut off, or to shorten, which means that I will bury my children, or my children should pass away, if this halacha is not mikupechet, is not an improper or a cut-off halacha. And as Rashi says over here, 
he was upset about the fact that the individual conveying this halacha was misconstruing the information of the Torah that he heard. And so he was upset about the fact that Torah was being forgotten. And he was mikalel at that moment. He kind of cursed himself by saying that I'm so upset about this misconstruing or misconveying of the information that I believe it's an improper halacha. And it's just like that's an improper halacha. I should be cursed that my children should pass away. Atosafot does not accept that lightly because one is not supposed to curse anyone without reason, including themselves. So the Tosavot, on the other hand, say that a kapechet banai is a lashon shvu'ah. It's taking an oath and saying that I am certain, so certain that this is alacha mikupechet, that on the life of my children, I'm saying that this is alacha mikupechet. Very before he was being much more adamant in his statement that this was a problematic halacha. Sheshama shumea, that the person heard this halacha, vita'a, and he made a mistake. Ha'ikar over umardoa al What happened here was you have a farmer that is walking and he has this prod or this rod on his shoulder. And the long end, the other end that's away from him, went on top of a kever. And then that makes him tamay because of kelim hamalim alamate. Now what Rabbi Tarfon is pointing out here is that the din of ohel that requires that an item be a tefach wide to convey tumah is only true if you wanted to convey Tumah to another item. You wanted to bring Tumah onto the individual that it's over or over another item. On the other hand, for the item itself to become Tameh because it was Mahil on something, there it only needs to be a koshu. It can be any width whatsoever. And so what Rabbi Tarfon is suggesting over here is, yes, the farmer is Tameh, but he's only Tameh as a Rishon the Tumah, not an Ava Tumah. And that is because if you believe that the rod is an Ohel, then the end that's over the Kever, takes the tumata mate, and then the other end of the rod, which is on the shoulder of the farmer, makes the ohel, that now causes a shared tumah between the tumata mate and the farmer, and the farmer becomes tamate tumata mate. That's a classic sense of what would happen in ohel, and that's what seems to be presented in the Mishnah. Rabbi Tarfon says he misheard or misconstrued the information, because what really is happening over here is that this rod does not suffice to meet the minimum requirements of Noel, which is a tefach wide. And therefore, what's happening here is that the rod itself is becoming tamay, which is true, because in order to become tamay because you or an object is mahil al there you don't need this minimum requirement of a tefach. And so this rod becomes tamay because it went over the kever. And when it becomes tamay, it becomes an avatuma. Then, when the farmer who's holding the avatuma is in contact with the rod, it makes him into a rishon the tuma. And so what this individual, this tana, made a mistake about was that the farmer is tamay, but he's only tamay tumata erev. But the individual misunderstood that and thought that the reason that the farmer is tamay is because the mardea is functioning as an ohel. And since it's functioning as an ohel, the ta- farmer is tamay shiva, or tamay tumah tamay. And that is the mistake that was made by this tano over here. That's the way that Rashi explains the Gemara, that the mistake was that the farmer should have been just a rish on the tumah, because the mardea was mahil on the mate, and became tamay with koshuhu. And then it, as an avatumah, makes the farmer into a rishon the tumah. That's the correct halacha. And it was misconstrued to say that the mardea functions as an ohel, or ovia mardea functions as an ohel, and the farmer is actually tamay tumat hamait, and not rishon the tumah. Tosafot says about that, Vikasha lama ta'ahashomeya. says, I don't understand. The individual heard such a halacha. Why would he have made a mistake? It's an obvious halacha that if you have an object that's an avatumah, and it's in contact with another individual, that individual is tamay rishon the tumah, and not an avatumah. And so why would if he had made a mistake between tumat Erev, 
which is Tameh for one day, which is a Rishon, the Tumah, and seven days, which is someone who's Tameh, Tumat Hameh. Therefore, Tosafot says that the problem here was that there was a complexity in the situation, which is called Tumat Chiburim. That is that when you are attached to an object, then you become an extension of that object. And there's a special din with regards to tumatameit of what's called tumatchiburim, which makes you one and the same with an object, and therefore you take on the properties of that object. And that's what he says here. The kach nira shitamuli ikar tumat shiva. That enochanami, the farmer is tamei shiva. Bishom. The reason is not because of tumat oil, because of the rod created tumat oil, but because of tumat bichiburim, because of the fact that he is attached to the item itself. Since he is holding the item and in direct contact with this item, this item that was ma'ahil on the mate, it becomes tamei avatumah because it doesn't require a minimum of a width of a tefach. And since the farmer is holding onto that rod, is in direct contact with it, he through that tumat chiburim also becomes an avatumah. It's a special din of tumah that is discussed both in Awalot and Masechet Nazir and the individual who heard this halacha misunderstood the halacha. He thought the reason the farmer was tamei avatumah is not because of tumat chiburim, but because of tumat ha'ohel. And therefore now he extended that halacha to be a broader halacha about tumat ohel, that all metaltalim that have a width of an oviyamardeya, they create tumat ohel. And that was the mistake, because it had nothing to do with tumat ohel, it was all about tumat chiburim, that they were attached. And the reason he made that mistake is because the circumference, as we're going to see in a second, of this Mardea had to, was a tefach. And therefore he thought the whole concept here was a concept of Tumat Oel and not Tumat Chiburim. Then Amar Rabbi Kiva, Rabbi Kiva comes to the rescue and says, I will explain how this Mishnah can be true or can be right, even though I understand your criticism, Rabbi Tarfon. According to Rashi, any metaltalim, movable object, can bring tumah through tumah toel onto an individual who carries them, as long as they are as wide as a mardeya. In addition, they themselves can become tamei bekoshein. That's what we saw before, and we mentioned before, that in order to become tamei a ohel, over the mate, any object that goes over the mate can be any size in order to become tame. But with regards to anybody else who's not in direct contact with the mardeya, then that individual or any other kelim that are under those items, they do not become tame unless it's a real ohel of a poteach tefach. And so now Rashi explains over here that according to his view, the mistake was that the individual thought the farmer was Tamei Tumat Shiva, and really it was only Tamei Tumat Ha'erev. Now Rabbi Akiva comes along and says, that's not really a mistake, that was intentional. The farmer really is only Tamei Tumat Ha'erev. The problem is that people are going to mistakenly think the reason the farmer is Tamei is because it was an Ohel, and not because of the fact that he was in contact with the rod that was then Mahil itself over the Tumat, doesn't require any minimum standard. Therefore, he became Tamei Tumat Tamei and made the farmer into a Rishon Tumat. That's the Allah Hamidoraita. The problem is that people looking are going to say, you know why the farmer became Tamei? It's not because of Tumat Ohel on the rod and then it, he's in contact with that and becomes a Rishon Tumat. They're going to think it's because it was Tumat Ohel. And since it was Tumat Ohel, they're going to now conclude that anytime you have Tumat Ohel, it only makes you Tamei for one day. It doesn't make you Tamei Tumat Shiva. So because that could be misconstrued from this situation, therefore the Chachamim instituted over here that anything that's a metaltel 
that has the Ovi Hamardei, and we'll see in a second why that's important, would make the person into Tamei Tumat Shiva, even though technically Midoraita, he'd only be Tamei Tumat Erev, he'd only be a Rishon the Tumah, they elevated to Naba Tumah, so people would not come to the mistaken conclusion that Tumat oil only makes you into Tamei for one day, and not for seven days. And the reason they would have made that mistake is because Amar Yanai Umar Do'o Shamru, this rod that we're speaking about here, Ein Ba'ovyo Tefach, it's a situation where it does not have a width of a tefah, because otherwise then it would be an ohel midoraita. The yeshve kefot tefah, but has a circumference of a tefah. The gazuel hekefo mishumovyo, and because it has a circumference of a tefah, people will mix up the halacha, thinking that this is an ohel, because it has a circumference of a tefah, even though the diameter is only a little less than one third of a tefah. Nevertheless, they're going to think it meets the minimum requirement of an ohel. And they're going to see the farmer only be tamay for one day, and they're going to say, oh, tumato oel is only for one day. So in order to avoid that problem, they instituted what Rabbi Tarvin said was a misconstrued or misunderstood halacha, and in Okanami, they are gozer exactly what Rabbi Tarvon thinks is wrong with halacha. It is wrong, because midoraita, he's only tamay tumaterev. But they instituted that he's tamay tumato oel in order to prevent the misunderstanding of others who see him thinking that he is Tamei Tumat and only then is Tamei Tumat instead of Tumat Shiva. So that's the way we would explain it according to Rashi. And that's why as Rabbi Kiva notes, it's only true when the individual is carrying an object that's the width of a Mardea that's Mahil on a mate and him, because that individual is then in direct contact with the item and would have become Tamei Tumat Erev, and instead we elevate it to Tumat Shiva. But in situations where the individual or the item is not carrying it directly, and therefore they would not become Tamei at all, over there, nobody's going to think that there's no Tumata Oel at all. They'll just assume it's because it doesn't qualify as an Ohel. And therefore, Al-Sharadam and Kelim, it's not Tamei unless you have a Puteach Tefa. That's Rashi's understanding of it. The Balia Tosafot, according to their understanding, explain here that the individual is Tamei Tumat Chiburim and should be Tamei Tumat Shiva. So then, what was the Gzeira that they put in place? The person is supposed to be Tamei Tumat Shiva. Just this individual misunderstood it as being Tumat Oel instead of Tumat Chiburim. So what Tosafot says is that they instituted here, because people don't understand this din of Tumat Chiburim, that they'll misunderstand that the issue is Ohel and not Chiburim. And therefore, it goes there, even in situations where, for instance, there's a handkerchief around the pole that the farmer is holding. So there's some separation. There's no Chiburim directly between him and the object. And therefore, over there, he would not be an Abba Tumah. He'd only be Tamei Tumat Erev because he's one derivative separated away from the object that's becoming Tamei. And he'd only be a Tamei Tumat Erev. Nevertheless, they would go there that he'd be Tamei Tumat Shiva because people will make a mistake that they think that it's Tamei because of Ohel and not because of Chiburim. And therefore, they will assume that Ohel is only Tumat Erev and not Tumat Shiva. So therefore, they instituted that in any instance of Chiburim, even though it's not Chiburim, which is you're in direct contact with the rod, but there's even things separating between you and the rod, or the item that you're carrying is not mekabel tumah. For instance, it's a pshute li eights. In all of those items, they were metakain that you be tamei tumat shiva because people mistakenly think the reason the farmer or the individual is tamei is because of ol and not because of chiburim. They don't understand this concept of tumat chiburim, and that is again dafka with something that has behekifo tefach. Because there's, there's a possibility that people make a mistake thinking it's an OL. Because there is some form of measurement of a tefach involved there, so they would think it's OL instead of chiburim. And that's the gzera according to the chachamim. And again, that would only be true when the person's in direct contact with the item, carrying the item, even if there are items separating between him and the item, as long as he's in contact or in chiburim with it, that's where we make the gzera. 
because it looks like Ohel, even though it's only Tuma from Chiburim, and if it's derivative Chiburim, he'd be a lower form of Tuma. We don't let him go down to that lower form of Tuma because people mistakenly associate that with Ohel and think that an Ohel makes, only makes you Tumay for one day and not seven days. But anybody else or Kelim that are not in direct contact with the item where there is no Tumat Chiburim, people aren't going to make a mistake about the Tumat Ohel over here because they're going to be totally Tahor. And they will assume that the reason you are Tahor is because it didn't meet the minimum standard that you need. And therefore, only if it was a Poteach Tefach would it bring the Tumah in those cases. And this is where Tosavot says that the prod over here does not have a metal prod or metal darban on it because then it would not require a Poteach Tefach to bring Tumah because of a principle called Cherif Harehu Kichalau. And therefore, the Tumah would be brought even with the smallest amount of metal. So therefore, based on Rabbi Akiva's explanation now, we can understand the Mishnah as a Zerah, either because of what Rashi said or what the Balyatosafot said, that we're worried about people mistakenly assuming that this is Ohel only creating Tumat Ol for one day, and really Tumat Ol is for seven days, and therefore they were Gozer in a Mardea that Hekefo Tefach, because of it maybe it was Ovyo Tefach, where there would be a real Ohel, and that Gezerah is one of the 18 Gezerot. But the problem is, Rabbi Tarfon Damara Kapayach et Banai Shalachazum Kupechet rejects this as being a proper halacha and obviously doesn't think it's a gzerah, but shaluhu, he's going to be short one of the 18. Rabbi Tarfon includes in his count, Benot Kutim, which is a Mishnah in Nida, that the daughters of the Kutim, they are classified as a Nida from birth, Bobayom Gazru. That was also instituted on this day. Ubeidach, and in addition to that, he also holds like Rabbi Meir. And that's based on what we saw in yesterday's daf. At the end of the daf, we had Rabbi Nachman and Bar Yitzchak. So that's included in Allah and Rabbi Tarfon will include that as well. And then in the Machloket that we saw between Rabbi Meir and Rabbi Yossi about a meniach kelim tacharat sinor, someone who puts kelim under the sinor, whether if they leave them there, and then it later rains on them, whether that's considered to be something that is machshir the kabul tumar, lo machshir the kabul tumah. Rabbi Meir says that Beit Shammai outvoted Beit Hillel on that day, and therefore Beit Shammai's view that that is considered to be ro'oi lachshir the kabul tumah prevailed, and that was the gzera that was in place, and he holds like that gzera of Rabbi Meir, so that adds an additional gzera, and he still holds of the other gzera that Rabbi Yossi needed, because Rabbi Yossi believed that there wasn't such a gzera that took place, and the Gemara said he filled it in with Benot Kutim. So Rabbi Tarfon is going to accept both of their positions. He's going to accept Rabbi Yossi's position that Benot Kutim are Nidot from birth. That's based on the Mishnah in Nida and the reasons that we discussed yesterday, because of the problems that they don't darshan like the Chachamim, that Tumat Nida applies to youngsters, even though they are below the age when you would expect them to see a menstrual cycle. And he also subscribes to Rabbi Meir's position that Beit Shemai prevailed with regards to the Heksha, the Kabul Tumah, with a Kli that was under a Tzinor. And that's how he makes up for this one that, that Rabbi Akiva believes is a Gzeira, and he thinks is an improper or misconveyed halacha. So now Vidach, the Gemara continues to list the gzerot that are included or enumerated under the 18 gzerot. That's a botzer the gat. Someone who picks to put it to the press. is picking grapes in order to press them into wine. Shemayomer hukshar. The liquids that emanate from those grapes are considered to be liquids that are machshir the kabul tumah. Hilolomer lo hukshar. They are not successful at being machshir the kabul tumah. This has to do with, again, priming food items in order to become tamer except tumah 
need to be washed with one of the seven liquids. Those are Yad Shachat Dam, Yayin, Dam, Shemen, Chalav, Tal, Dvash, and Mayim. Any one of those seven liquids, if they wash a food substance, and it's something that you want, you want is a very broad term, it means that you either wanted the liquid at some point, or you wanted the liquid to wash the item at some point. As long as you desired that liquid at some point, it's sufficient to then prime the item to be Mikabal Tumat. And so what Shemai suggests over here is the liquids that emanate from these grapes, even though you don't want them, because you want them to go into the press and be used for the wine, nevertheless, they're Machshir the Kabul Tumat. And that is because there is a Gzeirah, as we'll see in a second. On the other hand, Hillel says that there's no such Gzeirah. The liquids are going to Ibud, which is against your will. You don't want that. If you don't want it, then it can't be Machshir the Kabul Tumat. So Amalei Hillel the Shemai, Mifnei Ba Butzrim Betara. According to you, why do you require that the picking of grapes be done with someone who is tahor? Because the liquids that emanate from them are makshir, the grapes become tamay, prime them to accept tumah. If the person's tamay, he's going to cause a problem. But when it comes to the picking of olives, which is called misika, you don't require that the individual be tahor, and you don't say that the liquids that emanate from them are priming the olives to become tamay. Samalei, imtakni taini. If you push me, if you provoke me, gozrani tuma afala misika, then I will also be gozer tuma on the picking of olives. Now, as the Bali Tosafot suggests over here, there actually is a reason why one would differentiate between grapes and olives. And that is because when it comes to grapes, the liquid that emanates from them is juice or grape juice. On the other hand, the liquid that emanates from an olive is what's called mohel. It's not considered to be a liquid. It's not even considered to be oil. When it comes out, it's just a discharge that leaches from the olive and doesn't have the status of a mashke. And so because of that, there's no reason to be gozer by the liquid of an olive, whereas there is reason to be gozer by the grapes. But what Shammai was saying to him is, I have a reason to differentiate between them, but if you press and you show that there is no reason to differentiate between them, then based on my position, I'm going to say that yes, that you also have to be gozer by olives like you do by grapes. And I'll expand the gzerah, rather than change my mind with regards to the grapes. Although, if you look here on the side in the Masorah Lashaz, he quotes from the Tosvot Yishanim, and he says over there that the suggestion of Hillel to Beit Shemai is, Hayal exor af mishum ha lo kaimaha. You should also institute your gzerah by picking of olives, because without that, people aren't going to accept the gzerah by grapes. You can't make it just grapes and not olives. People will not understand why there's a difference. And so if you really believe that there should be gzerah by grapes, you should also put a gzerah in place by olives to uphold the gzerah by grapes. Shemai says, don't press me, because if you do press me, I'm going to do that, exactly that. And if you look in the Bali Tosavot over here at the end, there's a asterisk that points to the side. And over there, it notes that you should look at the Tosavot in Chagiga. And the Tosvot in Chagiga actually brings the name of Rabbi Deinu Tam that in the end Shammai actually accepted what Hillel said and they extended the Gzeirah to olives as well as grapes. You have three different approaches as to what exactly was transpiring in this conversation between Hillel and Shammai. And then Natsu Cherev Beit Midrash, the very cryptic, ambiguous statement, they placed a sword down in the Beit Midrash. Amru, Anichnas, Yikanes, whoever is coming in should come in now. Yotzei HaYetzei, anybody who's already here is not leaving. Because they cut off the voting at that point, at that moment there were more Tamidim of Shammai there. 
and they were able to outvote Hillel, and therefore Hillel was then in a position of having to accept the authority of Shammai, and it was as if he was sitting like one of the Talmudim, one of the students in front of Shammai. Now, Hillel was the Nasi at the time, and so therefore it was seen as either undermining or an affront to the status or the stature of the Nasi, that he was put in such a position where he was no longer the authority, but rather the one that had to accept the authority from Shammai or someone else. But Hillel, being such an Anav, he went and sat like one of the Talmudim and took it in stride, either because he wanted to take down the tension, as we're going to discuss in a second, which was very high at the time, or because he wanted to try to convince Shammai. Otherwise, never he sat in front of him as if he was trying to be one of the Talmudim to convince him to change his mind about it, and they were in a discourse between them about the issue. In terms of the Kerev that was Na'atzpo, it's not clear why they brought the sword in, but there is a parallel Gemara in the Yushalmi that suggests over here, and it might be part of the source of the Rambam's listing of the three different counts of 18 Lachot or Gzeirot, that we spoke about, and that is that on that day, there was Shvichud Damim. They actually took out the sword, and they were killing students of Beit Hillel who were not submitting to the Psak of Shammai or to the students of Beit Shammai, and that it was a serious altercation that took place here that led to Shvichud Damim, and Hillel, in order to bring the tensions down and out of his anivut, sat down as a Talmud and backed away to take the tensions down. And that would then maybe explain the issue of the Cherev here, as well as the fact that he was sitting and it was such a affront to the stature of the Nesiyot, as well as the difficult predicament that was taking place that Hillel was now in such a position or that the situation had deteriorated to bloodshed. So it was as bad as the day of the Ego where different sections of Kleisel turned on each other and there was a rejection of the authority and in a sense a replacement of the leadership of Moshe Rabbeinu over here, the leadership of Hillel. Gazur Shemai Vihilel. Because Hillel was under the authority of Shemai on that day, they put into place this Gzerah below Kablu Minayu. Even though they were the ones who put it into place, it was not accepted by the public at large, and we know with regards to Gzerot, unless they're accepted by Robert Sibur, they don't take effect, and it was rejected. Batu Tamidayu, and then the Tamidim, Beit Shemai versus Beit Hilel, came along, the Gazur, and put it into place as one of the Yudchet Tavar, Minayu, and then it did take hold. My Taima. What's the reason that you would do this? Even Beit Shemai or Shemai agrees that the liquids that you have here in the basket that you're collecting the grapes in, when they leech, they're going to go to the Ibud, and you don't want that. So why should they be machshir the Kabul Tumah? The reason is because you might end up picking them into baskets that are Tamei. And we have a principle. There is a view within the Tanaim that if you have an item that is Tamei, like a basket, and the hechsher, or the liquid that comes over the item, is taking place while it's in contact with the tumah, that the hechsheram v'tumatam bayim ke'achad, that those two things happen simultaneously, and the tumah, or the kli tamei, is enough to elevate the mashkeh to something chashuv, even though you don't want it to be. Nevertheless, against your will, it automatically elevates the liquid to successfully be mashkeh the kabul tumah, and have the tumah and the hechsher devolve simultaneously. 
So that is a view of a tano. And if you believe that, and there's a problem, then if you actually pick these grapes into a tamei basket, where it says that, okay, that works well according to that opinion. According to the one who says that a klitamei cannot elevate mashkim and make them then able to prime it to be mekabal tumah, even though that's not your will, what are you going to say here? As far as where this machloket is found, Rashi claims, I don't know where this machloket is. The Baal Yatosafot claimed that it's an otosefta in machshirim, in paragdalet, and that's where we have such a machloke tanaim. So Elamar Ziri, Amar of Chanina, Gzeira. There's an alternative view as to what the Gzeira is. Shema Yivatsrenu Bikupot Mizufafot. Problem is that you might pick them into baskets that are waterproof or sealed with pitch. And then in that instance, if they leach liquids, you would not be upset about it because when you pour the grapes into the press, those liquids are going to be go with the grapes into the press and they'll be preserved. So since this, yes, happens to be a basket that doesn't have that waterproofing or that pitch in it and the, the liquids go to the bullet, they were goes there in that instance because you might use baskets that are sealed and then that would cause a problem because there they would be machshir the kabul tumah. Rav amar gzera mishuan noshchot. Rav said it's a gzera because of the grapes that are biting. Number of explanations for this. Rashi says that they are bunches of grapes that are intertwined so tightly that it's impossible to take them apart unless you squeeze some of the grapes or crush some of the grapes to break them apart. And since you're doing it actively with your adayim, and it has to be a skita when you're doing it, that's considered to be machshir de kabul tumah, even though you might not want it, but since it's a necessary step in you separating these grapes, it must happen, and therefore, in a sense, you do want it because it's inevitable to happen. And that's the way Rashi explains Mishum Noshchot. The Rabbeinu Hanano brings two other possible interpretations. One is, Perish Yesh Mishamar, Koshenish the Kupot Alalu Ognim, that they have lips to them, these baskets, Noshchot Anavim, and the grapes get caught on them when you're pulling them into the basket, Upolta Mashkim, and then they cause the liquids to leach out. So it's a part of the basket or the shape of the basket that causes this problem. And that's why you're going to have liquids here that spread onto the grapes. And because of the shape of the basket, that's what's going to happen. Or, he suggests, It's a case where you take a bite out of the grapes that are there or out of a bunch of grapes. And then the liquids are going to shoot out from that bunch of grapes and they're going to get onto the other grapes. So that's what it means, noshchot, either it's a cause by you having to separate the intertwined grapes, or because of the nature of these baskets, that they get caught on that, and it causes the liquids to come out or seep out, or because of the fact that you're biting into them, and that causes the liquids to come out. And all of those would be machshir the kabul tumah. So we're goes there in all pickings of grapes, because of those instances where it would be machshir the kabul tumah, so that all liquids, when the grapes are picked, are machshir the kabul tumah. pamim shadam Another possibility of why there's a gzira here is because individuals go to their kerem in order to check out and see if the grapes have reached full maturation or low, or they're not ready to be picked. How does he do that? He takes a bunch of grapes, the sochato, to squeeze it. So he squeezes the grapes to see what type of liquid, what type of juice is inside of them. And when he does that, it squirts all over the vine that he's working by. And that it gets it on the grapes that are still on the vine. And then the next time, when he comes to harvest the grapes that are still on the vine, that liquid that he squeezed, which he wanted because he wanted to test those grapes, that liquid is still on those grapes that are on the vine. And therefore that liquid would be makshir the kabutumah because he wanted it. And therefore it goes there in all instances of liquid that seeps out or leaches out of the grapes because of that one instance where you would want it to happen. So for any one of these reasons, Shammai was Gozer by Bitsira 
by the picking of grapes that any liquid that leaches out of the grapes is maksha the kabutumah, even though you don't want it, and it's going to ibud because of instances where you would want it, either because it's a kupat mea, or it's a kupa mizufefet, or it's no shchot, or you're testing the grapes. In all those instances, you did want the liquid, and because of those instances where you did, it would be maksha the kabutumah, or goes there in all other instances. And again, none of these reasons would apply by olives. You don't have olives that are no shchot, you don't have olives that you need to squeeze and test whether they are ready to be picked. And even if they're picked into baskets that are pitching them, we said before that the liquid that emanates from them is not considered to be oil. It's just mohel. It's a thin liquid that is leaching out of the olive, but not the oil itself. And therefore, you don't have to be gozer by misika like you do by bitzira. Now the Gemara continues and says, Bidach, what's another one of the gzerot that we're listing here? So Amar Tavi Rishba. Rashi claims over here, Rishba comes from the word Nishba, which means a net. And he says, Tavi was a hunter that used nets to hunt birds and animals. Others say Rishba is really a contraction of Reish Beit Av, or someone who was of importance, a very prominent individual. So this individual says in the name of Shmuel, Av Gidulei Truma, Truma Bobayom Gazru, that if you plant Truma, and then the Truma grows, that it still maintains the status of Truma, was one of the they wrote on that day. Now, Truma has two different categories. There's something called Zarokala and ain't Zarokala. Zarokala means that when you plant whatever it is from the Truma, the item disintegrates or the seed disintegrates, and then it grows into a new item. There are other items where ain't Zarokala, for instance, when you plant bulbs, when you plant potatoes, onions, items that are grown from a bulb that exist, and then it produces more of the same item. So if it is ain't Zarokala, then it's obvious that it remains truma because the item that grows is really just an extension of what you put in the ground. So if you put an item that's truma into the ground and it does not disintegrate, but it expands now and grows other things from it, then that item is considered to be truma, and that's midoraita. Midoraita, if zarokala, like if you're planting, as Rashi says over here, kitnit, or tvua, you're planting grains, or you're planting legumes, where the seed or the item is put into the ground, then disintegrates and then grows into a totally new item, those items, Minatorah, if you plant the Chuma, when they come out, they'd be Chulin, or they'd then be Chulin and Tevel again, and you'd restart the whole process. So Shmuel says that the Chachamimur goes there, that when you plant Chuma on the ground and it grows, it remains or maintains its status of Chuma. So my time, why do they have to put such a Gezerah in place. It's a fear that this Israel has this truma and he doesn't want to give it to the Kohen. So instead of giving it to the Kohen, he plants it. And by planting it, he'll turn it back into Chulin and he'll be able to keep it. So he's marzoli. He doesn't want to give the matnot kuhuna. And so he replants his truma. So in order to prevent that, we said that gedulei truma will be classified as truma. If they're really chashud and not giving truma to the Kohen, then they don't need to take it off, or why did they take it off in the first place? Because they could have just taken one kernel off and be done like Shmuel says, and they didn't do that, then for sure, we're going to believe them. What he points out is, here, this individual could have gotten away with being, as Shmuel says, by taking off a single kernel from the total production that he has there, and that's enough. He says, One little kernel of wheat takes care of your truma mido raita, and you don't have to take anything more off. The fact that this individual abided by the takanat chachamim, that you take off either 140th, 150th, or 160th, 
shows that he's not interested in cheating the truma. Because if he wanted to cheat the system, he would have just taken off the amount that gets him done though, right? Then he'd be finished with that and he wouldn't have to worry about it. The fact that he was already mafrished at the levels of the Rabbanan means that he is interested in doing the right thing over here. And if he's already interested in doing the right thing by taking off the larger quantities of truma that are required me the Rabbanan, then, of course, he's going to be believed that he's going to give it and he's not going to go replant it. So that doesn't make sense that you're putting an exera to deal with people who are taking off truma at the right levels that are imposed by the Rabbonon and not trying to get away with no truma, which they could have done by getting dealing the dindoraita and just taking off one little kernel. So the fact that they're already engaged in separating out truma, they're not going to then afterwards try to cheat the Kohen out by planting it. Even though, as Tosafo points out, that only solves your problem with regards to truma gedola. It doesn't necessarily address the issue with regards to Trumat Maser. Because by Trumat Maser, there's no way to get away with doing a small amount. And the fact that you took off 10%, that's the only thing you could do is take off 10%. So the Baal Tosafot bring a number of reasons as to why this isn't a problem. Either because it seems that the Gzeira applied to Trumat Dola and Trumat Maser. And you're right, Enochanami, the reasoning that we undermined, what we just said, was with regards to Trumat Dola. But once you do that, that can't be the reason for the Gzeira. Even though for Trumat Maser, it still would make sense. Or he suggests that Shumat Maser is given by the Levi from his Maser Rishon. And the Levi is generally Naman with regards to these things because the Levian were Chavirim. That's a little hard only because that it all assumes that the original individuals are going to give their Maser Rishon to the Levian and not hold back the Maser Rishon and then have a problem with the Shumat Maser that's embedded in it. Or the possibility, if they were really Chashudim, they wouldn't be Mafrish Truma or Shumat Maser at all. The fact that they're being Mafrish shows you that they're Nehmanim on this item. So Tosavah brings a number of reasons why this also undermines the situation with regards to Shumat Maser. So Elag Zera Mishom Shumat Meyad Biyad Kohen. We're afraid about is Shumat Meyad that the Kohen has, that he's going to plant it, and by planting it, he'll get rid of the Tuma that's associated with the Truma. Shumat Meyad of a Kohen has to be burnt. It can only be used for a light or for a fire, it can't be eaten. So in order to preserve his ability to eat this chuma, he's going to plant it to get rid of the chuma. And the problem is, he's going to have to keep it around for a while in order to do that. And then he's going to end up eating it by accident because he keeps it around until the planting season. And keeping it around is always a bad idea when you have chuma because it could mixed up or his family members could eat it instead of burning it. And therefore, it only causes takala. So in order to prevent that, they said that when you plant it, it's going to remain chuma. And so according to Rashi, they instituted that when you plant Trumat Meah, when it grows again, it's still going to be Trumat Meah. The Bali Tosavot disagree and say that you are successful. If you plant it as Trumat Meah, it will come out as Truma Tehura. But the Xera was that it remains Truma. And then that is not a huge benefit to the Kohen, because the price value of Truma is limited because only Kohanim can eat it. And therefore the difference between Trumat Meah and Trumat Tehura is not significant enough to have him wait all the way to the planting season and then wait for it to grow again in order to get benefit for it. It's not worth the amount that he gains by planting it. On the other hand, if it planted it and it became Torah and Chulin, then it would be a significant gain to him because now he could sell it on the open market to anyone. And that's what they didn't allow to happen. And that they did that by making it remain Truma. Now, in Ochanami, it'll be Truma Torah and the Kohen can eat it, but it will still remain truma, and therefore there's not enough value or profit in it for him to keep it around. And that's how they prevented the Kohen from doing that. So Rashi thinks it'll grow into truma t'meya, according to the Gzeirah. According to Tosavot, he thinks that it'll grow into truma t'hora. Another one of them is, Amar Rabbi Chiyar Barami Mishmei Dula, Af Mishayach Shichlo B'derech. 
person is coming into Shabbat and all of a sudden it goes dark, meaning that the sun sets and now it's Shabbat. He has to give over his wallet or his money pouch to the Nachri to carry on his behalf. Because the other option is for him to walk with it, but go less than Dalet Amot. You're only not allowed to move a full Dalet Amot in Rishut Rabim. So the way you can get around that problem is to walk less than Dalet Amot, stop. Walk less than Dalet Amot and stop. The Chamim goes there not to use that methodology in order to bring it in because it's too risky and too difficult. And therefore they permitted you to give it over to a Nakri. Even though generally Amir Le'akom or having a Nakri do something for you is problematic. Over here they gave you that dispensation to prevent a bigger problem which is walk in. Nakzira was put in place in that day that they should give over their items or the things they were carrying to the Nakri to continue to bring it into the city when Shabbat came while they were still traveling instead of carrying it, pachot, pachot, midalit, amot. Now, the Gemara says, v'idach. Now, we're up to the final of the 18 items. What is that final item? Amr bali, amr vimi, sanvata'a. Rashi says that's the name of a place. Pitan, ushmanam, ve'enan, ubnotehem, kulan miyurchet tavarhein. The gzerot that we find in Avodazara, pat'akum, shemenakum, yayinakum, yayinachri, yayinesech, and binotehem are all part of the 18 they wrote that we have. Now obviously they all can't be part of the 18 Gzeirot because otherwise we'd be way over the number. But rather they are all one Gzeira as we're going to explain in a second. And they are the final of the 18. We'll speak in a second about the counting of the 18. Where it says, Anicha the Rabbi Meir. That works well according to Rabbi Meir who before had the Kalim that were underneath the Tzinor as one of the Gzeirot. He has 18. Other Rabbi Yossi who doesn't have that, Shibsar Habyan, he only has 17. So then how does he get to his 18? So before the Gemara had suggested that the Rabbi Yossi made that up through Rav Nachman by Yitzchak, that Afanot Kudim Nidot Masutam Bobayom Gazru. But now the Gemara is assuming that Rabbi Meir also subscribes to that Gzeira Benot Kutim, which the Tosafot discusses back on Daf Ted Zayin, because Rabbi Meir is one of the believes that the Kutim were Gere Arayot and weren't really Jewish. But he says despite that fact, Rabbi Meir still believes that this Gzeira applies to them, even though they were not true converts, and in that way he reaches 18. But Rabbi Yossi, who does that benot kutim, and does not have the kelim tacharat sinor, he only reaches 17. So then the Gemara says, There's an additional gzeira in Avodah Zarah that then gets him to the 18. They were gozer on patakum, because of shemenakum, and on shemenakum because of yenakum, Alpitam Mishum Shmanan. So the Gemara interrupts this whole sequence and says, Why would you have pot because of shemen? My made the shemen me pot. What's the difference between oil and pot? They're both used in a meal. Why would you be gozer on oil to prevent pot? What's the difference between oil and pot? El gazru alpitan ushmanan mishum yenan. So they put pot akum as a problem and shemen akum as a problem to prevent you from coming to the problem of sharing wine with them, which then was yen akum. And Yenam, because of their daughters or intermarriage with their daughters, which we'll speak about in one second. And that intermarriage because Mishum Because it leads to Davarcher, which is Avodah Zarah. So as the Gemara in Avodah Zarah points out, Pitan and Shmanan is a problem of socialization. It's about breaking bread together. It's about having a meal together. Then once you have the meal together, then you start to share wine together. Now, wine has an additional facet to it 
from two perspectives. One is that Yayin, as Tuele Tosvo point out here, is used in the worship of God and Avodah Zarah. And therefore it also, instead of just being a social gathering, once you put wine into the picture, wine makes it into maybe a religious gathering of some sort, because at their meals, many times they poured wine out to the Avodah Zarah, or that was a part of the meals or the celebrations that they had together, and added in a dimension of Avodah Zarah to the meal. And that's the problem of Yenam. The additional item is that when people drink together, they tend to become much closer because of the intoxicating nature of wine. And that brings them to be closer friends or brings a certain amount of unity between them. And that because of Yenam, and that leads to intermarriage because that type of friendship and closeness then leads to intermarriage between the children. And that's a problem. And as Tozo points out here, that added dimension is why by Yayin, it's not only Asur Bachila, like Pat and Shemen, but it's also Asur Bana, because the practice of pouring wine Nesach to the Avodah Zarah was something that was not only practiced in front of the Nachri, even when they're not in front of the Avodah Zarah, they pour it out. And since they had to put into place an Easter anyway for Benotehem, the Chachamim gave it a Din or a Chomer of Yayin Nesach. So because there are instances where it's Yain Nesech, and they're also, they were Menasechet, even when they were not in the context of Avodah Zarah, therefore the Chachamim were much more Machmir with it. That has to do both with the religious aspect of the wine, as well as the cultural side of wine, which causes a closeness of individuals, or brings individuals together. Therefore they were Gozer there, not only with regards to Isur Achila, but also in Isur Hana'ah. Now the Gemara in Avodah Zarah says, well, intermarriage is a din right or a problem d'oraita. What do you mean that it's a gzera? So the Gemara says, is a machloket over there as to whether they were gozer yichud. They did not let have yichud between a Jew and a non-Jew. And that's what it means, mishum benotehem. Not the intermarriage, which is a problem d'oraita, but they even were gozer yichud to prevent against Avodah Zarah. Or the other one was that they were gozru, that they would be nidot that they would be classified as a nidah from birth, that also creates a separation because of the tumah that's going to cause a certain divide between the individuals, and that will help to separate between them and diminish the amount of intermingling between them. That diminishment of intermingling, either because there's no yichud or because they are tmeim, that's going to protect against davarcher, them leading to avodah zarah. That's all one big gzerah to prevent them from reaching intermarriage and avodah zarah, and it was all encapsulated in the pat, shem, and yayin, and the benotehem. So that's one gzerah. And then it added onto that by Ravacha bar Ado, Amar Rabbi Yitzchak is, al davar acher mishum davar acher. And something else because of something else. Gemara says, my davar acher. What's that something else? Amar Nachum Yitzchak, gazru al tinok nachri, shimitamei b'ziva. They were gozer that a male non-Jew is mitamei b'ziva. And now, the tumat zav does not apply to non-Jews whatsoever. And we're going to see later on, in terms of tumat zav, for someone who's of a grown age, was a much earlier gzera that they were gozer on a nachri that sees ziva, that they are tmeim, even though there's no tumami doraita for a nachri. So obviously over here, this must be a extension or a greater gzera. And that greater gzera is to say that a nachri who is young, now tinok most likely would be from nine years and older, where he has a din of bi'ah. Why did they do that? Shlo tinok tinok We were afraid of homosexuality, which seems was a widespread practice in when the Gemara seems to be addressing the Roman times or with the non-Jewish nations that they were intermingling with. They were gozer that a male non-Jew is mitamei in order to prevent the Jewish 
children or young boys from being involved in that type of activity to prevent the intermingling that would lead to this homosexuality between them. Now, Tosafot points out that works well according to the one who says that Benotehem was a problem of Yichud because that was something that kept them separate. And just like Yichud kept them separate, they also were gozer that the Tinok has a din of Zav in order to keep them separate. And that will be in the same vein when you say Mishum On the other hand, according to the one who says that the Davaracher was that they were considered to be Nidot from a very young age, then what does that have to do with the Nachri boy that he's considered to be a Zav? So Tosavot says, again, it's in the same vein. The reason that they were gozer that a young girl was a Nachriah is a nida was in order to curtail the amount of intermingling that took place. And similarly with the tinok that they gave him a status of tumat zav is also to prevent intermingling and therefore they are of the same nature, this gzeira, and it's an extension of the gzeira. If that's the case, Rabbi Meir, Nami, Then at this point, we already had 18 for Rabbi Meir. If you add on that davar acher, davar acher, the ravachar bar, Adam Rabbi Yisrael brings, and he has 19 now. You got to 18 for Rabbi Yossi, but now you pushed Rabbi Meir up to 19. So Mar says, and Kelim that we saw earlier were part of the Gzerot of Tumah and Shumah. Rabbi Meir is going to count both of those Gzerot as a single Gzerah having to do with liquids. And if you really think about it, they have nothing to do with each other because the liquids that are metamea kli is because of the liquids of a zav, which are an abba tumah that can be metamea kli. So normally liquids don't have the capacity of metamea kli, and we elevate them to do that because of the problems of emissions of very high-level tumah, like nida, zav, and zava. Whereas the fact that liquids come tamay to be a rishon to tumah, because of mashkin, that, that are in contact with the sherets, that makes them into a rishon to tumah. And because they're susceptible to tumah, they put a gzera together. So the two gzerot really have nothing to do with each other. Nevertheless, here, the Gemara consolidates them, because they both have to do with mashkin, that impact on tumah. And for Rabbi Meir to get to 18, it consolidates them into a single gzera. And with that, we actually come to the final list of the 18, which, according to Rashi and the Bali Tosafot, have a pretty similar list together of what the 18 items are with the difference of one item. And that is that they count the, as Rashi says over here, the nine items that were Pasle Truma. And the Tosafot counts them as eight because he adds in Lo Yochal Zavim Zavah from the Mishnah before. And he replaces one of the nine items that Rashi brings. And that is Ocha Ocha Rishon. Ocha Ocha Sheni, according to Rashi. Tosavot says that they might have combined those two into one. Shote Mashkim Tmeim. Abaro Shovru Bola Harshitaval Mitumato Bobayom Bamaim Shuvim. After you go to the Mikveh, and then you go back into a Maim Shuvim. Faltohor Gamur. That they poured onto him three Lugim of Maim Shuvim that makes him in Tamei. Tosavot says those two might have been put together. Or the Ocharish and Ocharshini put together in order to add in Lo Yochal Zavin Mezavah, according to Tosafot. Then, Sfarim Shal Kitpe HaKodesh Poslim Etet Shuma B'Magah. Stam Yadayim are Poslot Etet Shuma. Then, Ochlim Shinitmu B'Mashkim, Shinitmu Machmat Yadayim, Shinagu B'Hem Kodem Netila. That makes them into a Rishon, the Tumah, that, that makes something into a Shani, the Tumah. Kalim that became Tamei with Mashkim, Shinitmu HaMashkim B'Sheretz, that become Tamei with Sheretz, that shouldn't be Metamei them, they are because of Zav, Zava, Nida. Benot, Kudim, Arnidot, Ma'arisutam. HaMetaltalim, Mevim Etatumah B'Oviyah Mardeya, which is the beginning of today's Gemara. HaButzer Nevim Legat, which was the next thing we spoke about in today's Gemara. Gidulei Truma or Truma, that we spoke about in today's Daf as well. Mishich Shich Baderech, Noten Kisol Nachri, which we also spoke about today. And then back in the Mishnah that began this section, 
there was ain't polin there and there, being korin there and there, that you're not allowed to pick out the lice to the candle on Shabbat, and you're not allowed to read by a candle on Shabbat. And then the final one, which we mentioned over here, which is pitan, shmanam, yeinam, ubnotehem, shalavodat, kochavim, which is a gzeira. According to Rashi and Tosvot, the final one here is, according to Rabbi Meir's Shita Menir Kilim Tacharat Sinor, and that's the way they counted. According to the Bartanura, he counts it according to Rabbi Yossi's count, and therefore he doesn't have any Menir Kilim Tacharat Sinor, but rather Tinok, Oborat Kachamim, is Mitame Biziva, like the Gemara suggests over here, according to Rabbi Yossi, and that gets us their count of 18. Again, I sent out a chart two, three days ago that shows you the different counts according to the Rambam, the Meiri, Rashi, Tosvot, the Bartanura, and the Tiferet Yisrael, and how they have slightly different nuances in their accounts based on what the Gemara said over here. Okay, we're going to stop here by the Mishnah on the bottom of Yudzayin Amudbet.